negligee. I'll have coffee with whom I damn well please, she said, and wear what I damn well please, especially when you're on your way home to your wife. And you're always telling me I should lead my own life and not rely on you, she added. You know it's not that easy. I know it's easy enough for you to jump into bed with me whenever it suits you. That's all I'm good for, isn't it? Now, that's not fair. Not fair? Weren't you hoping for your usual at six, so you could still be home at seven in time for supper with Elizabeth? I haven't made love to my wife in years. Oh, we only have your word for that, she spat out. I have been utterly faithful to you. Which means I always have to be to you, I suppose. Stop behaving like a whore. Carla's eyes flashed as she slapped me across the face with all the strength she could muster. As her hand came swinging towards me a second time, I blocked it and pushed her back against the mantelpiece. She recovered quickly and came flying at me again. In a moment of uncontrolled fury, I clenched my fist and took a swing at her. I caught her on the side of the chin, and she wheeled back. Before she had the chance to leap back up, I turned and strode out, slamming the flat door behind me. I regretted having hit her long before I reached home. Twice I nearly turned back. Everything she had complained about was fair— and I wondered if I dared phone her from home. If Elizabeth had intended to comment on my being late, she changed her mind the moment I handed her the roses. She began to arrange them in a vase while I poured myself a large whisky. I would phone Carla from the office to make amends. By then she might have calmed down. I woke early the next day, and it was then that I decided to drop a note through Carla's letterbox. Forgive me, I wrote. Marcel's, one o'clock, Sol Veronique on a Friday. Love, Casaneva. I was held up by a traffic jam as I approached the flat, an ambulance blocking the other side of the road. It was going to be impossible to park, so I resigned myself to phoning her from the office. It was then that I saw the police car and Carla's door wide open. I stopped to observe more carefully, and drivers coming from the other direction raised a hand to thank me for allowing them to pass. Then two uniformed orderlies carried a shrouded body out to the ambulance. A third man, who could only have been a detective, walked immediately behind the stretcher. He was carrying a plastic bag, inside which I could make out a red garment that I feared was the negligee I'd given Carla. I vomited my breakfast all over the passenger seat. A moment later a siren started up, the ambulance moved off, and the man behind me started to press his horn. I lurched forward, and later couldn't recall any part of my journey to the office. The managing director wanted the projected accounts for May, June and July. I promised they would be on his desk by midday, but every time the phone rang or the door opened, my heart missed a beat. I assumed it could only be the police. I finished some sort of barely adequate report for the managing director and left to get hold of the first edition of the Standard. Carla rated a tiny paragraph on page five. Miss Carla Morland, aged 31, was found dead at her home in Pimlico earlier this morning. I remember thinking at the time that they hadn't even got her age right. Detective Inspector Simmons of Scotland Yard said that they were awaiting the pathologist's report, but to date they had no reason to suspect foul play. After that piece of news, I managed a little soup and a roll. 
The next morning, as soon as I heard the papers pushed through the letterbox, I went downstairs to check the headlines. I picked up my wife's Daily Express, and the three-word headline filled the top of the page. Lover's Tiff Murder. My legs gave way, and I fell to my knees. Police are now treating as murder the death of a beautiful Pimlico secretary, Carla Morland, 32, who was found dead in her flat early yesterday morning. An X-ray has revealed a broken jaw which could have been caused in a fight. An inquest will be held on April the 19th. Miss Morland's daily, Maria Lucia, 48, said that her employer had been with a man-friend when she had left the flat at five on the night in question. Another witness, Mrs. Rita Johnson, who lives in the adjoining block of flats, stated she had seen a man leaving Miss Morland's flat at around six, before driving away in what she thought might have been a rover.